Welcome to the BAM series. Here we practice the therapeutical value of one addict helping another addict. The stories and opinions shared are of those individuals who are in recovery and not influenced by any political, religious, or law enforcement groups. We talk about all pathways to recovery and accept everyone on any level that they are at. We are not mental health clinicians or representatives and surely encourage you to listen in moderation. I'm just a fly on your wall, dear. <laughs> Here we are, and we are live. Welcome to our Monday night um, episode 17 of the Bam series. I'm so excited. We are getting on a little late, but Brandon and I were like totally chopping it up just now, and oh, it was too good to interrupt. So um, thank you guys, and thank you to all of you who will tune in tonight or watch the replay. My name is Rachel Piocini. I'm a person in long Piocini. I'm a person in long-term recovery, and I'm really grateful to just be alive and to be present. I'm grateful for February. I'm grateful for Amen. just you know <laughs> my let my whole thing of gratitude to just go on and on and on. Um, I'm really excited to have Brandon on here with us. We're gonna get touch here in just a minute. Um, we'll touch on his story, but. Just before, you know, we always, for those of you guys who aren't familiar, Beyond Addiction Mosaic, we're a, I just lost my train of thought because I was reading the comments. Our mission, <laughs> our mission here at Beyond Addiction Mosaic is to bring resources to life beyond addiction. And with that, you know, we're here to, we all, everybody has kind of heard that saying the opposite of addiction is connection. And that's what Brandon and I are here tonight to do is to create a safe space for people to just be a part of something and to connect with some people and to hear our story and to Absolutely. listen to our struggle, you know, and, and just to have a real moment, you know, where a lot of us are, we're going to talk about this in just a second, but COVID has changed the world clearly for everybody, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> it's not for happening. everybody. We're, we're nine months, 10 months into it, March in March. Next month, right, will be one full year of some some crazy shit. And so, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and so him and I were just kind of talking about what it's been like for, for the past year, you know, for you. Like, like so to, to be honest with you, I mean, I, you, I couldn't have said it any better. Like, uh, I, like we were talking earlier, it is truly that time of the year or I can't even say that time of the year because 2020 opened up our lives, uh, our eyes to a lot of things, a lot of changes in our world, a lot of changes in politics. Uh, I've literally seen a nation divide like that, completely splinter. And I, I would lean over to my wife and I would tell her like, babe, this is relapse season. Like this whole year is going to be difficult for so many people on so many different levels. Andrew, what's going on? <laughs> you know, on so many different levels, man. And uh, this is the time where we need to interact more. We need to be more open. We need to be more out there. We need to share our experiences because at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, you know, when I'm in a dare class in elementary, junior high, whatever, 
You know, you're seeing all these, you know, officer friendlies come in and tell you, you know, just, you know, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. okay, and all that type of stuff. I mean, let's be frank. Your parents told you don't do that from the time you were little and you went and did that, which is why we're at where we're at. It's easier for me to connect with somebody who has been with been in the mix, who has walked in the shoes that I've walked. I mean, can't necessarily say that because no one knows what it's like to be me from my perspective. But. We all are, are binded and share similar situations and experiences. And that's what we all have in common. We are all victims of this, this, this disease, this epidemic. And I was thinking about it earlier, like one way, and it, it doesn't matter what way, shape or form, everybody that you know, and, and really think and, and do the, the math, like almost everyone you know has been affected by, by, Drug, drug abuse, period, period, point blank, whether they did it indirectly, indirectly, victims of, like, I've had friends who have passed away. I have I've had friends, uh, rest in peace, who have uh, been victims of drunk driving incidents where they weren't drunk nor driving. You know, I've had friends pass away from suicide. And at one point, at some point in time, you just got to put your foot down and say, you know what, not today, not me. I am going to break the cycle. I'm going to break the chain. I am going to make the decision to do different. I'm going to dare to be different to hell with everybody. And it really does amount to drawing that line in the sand. And what people always tend to get misconstrued and what I used to as well is that, you know, just because I draw a line in the sand and say, Hey, I don't want to be a junkie anymore doesn't necessarily it doesn't mean i want to cut off people that i love or care about just because they're in drug abuse it means i need to disassociate myself from the toxicity at that point in time in in order to heal once i can heal and i can get my confidence back and i can get uh uh reacclimated to surviving in this world especially in today's world in society substance abuse uh free with a level mind and a level head and, and, and a clear and open heart, you have to take yourself out of the, the lion's den in order to study the lion. You know, people like me, I like to learn things the hard way. And unfortunately, that's been to my own detriment for so many years. We're talking, I just barely got off APP again for the third, fourth time. Fourth time since... <laughs> The early 2000s, since probably when most of these listeners were still in elementary or junior high, some of them, man, like, you know, it's crazy. I'm old. I got gray in my beard, bro. Listen, I'm starting to see that I got lots of grays coming in. It's it's getting all kinds of bad. Dude, it's it's hard out here for a pimp. I'm telling you. It's rough. It's rough. It's it's rough. You got to figure that me and my lifestyle. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. Not a day goes by. I don't count my blessings. Not a day goes by. Michael, you're a fool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading these comments as they're streaming in. And I'm just oh, like, no, yeah. did I lose my train of thought all the time? All the time. So tell me this. So, okay. So, so let's go, you know, so let's start. You're, you're an artist. You're a musician. Yeah, you, a we talked a little bit just before, just because I think it's awesome. Because listen, I'm not. I'm not an artist in any way, shape, or form. I know how to help people. Praise <laughs> the Lord. I can't draw. I can't sing. I can't do any kind of music. I try. You know, hey, I hey, just sing. But singing listen, in the shower. Nobody wants, 
<laughs> I got to get a channel voice. <laughs> I've been on TikTok. Like, I, I just discovered TikTok, right? Much to oh. my dismay. And let me tell you, there are so many non-musically non inclined people out there on TikTok who make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should start doing my TikTok on that. You, you missed my Christmas thing. Mean, like, <laughs> like, but it, it, it's... Uh, it's I'm blessed. It's beautiful. Like to have lived the life that I've lived and for me being incarcerated for seven some odd years off and on prisons, several different prisons in two different states. Like, you know what I mean? Like I have truly have lived a, a charmed life. I've had the opportunity to meet people. I've had the opportunity to travel. I've had the opportunity to not necessarily rub shoulders with people that I looked up to in, in uh, hip hop and in whatever else, but to be able to have a front row or side stage or green screen vantage point and seeing all this is a very rush. It's a high in itself. It's a rush, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And, yeah. uh, I think music like math is a language that, it doesn't matter if you're red, white, black, blue, orange, your ethnicity or your religious preference, your political views. We all listen to music, man, period, yeah. point blank. Um, to, per, to be honest, if it wasn't for music, if it wasn't for fitness, if it wasn't for me having the, the very few, I, I say few, like, and I mean just that, very few people who genuinely supported me and we're constantly rooting me on and, and knowing that I can get sober and, and do it, but also allowing me to fall on my ass and to live with the, uh, the, the consequences of my bad decisions in order to get to this point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Oh, snap. I see Casper. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us this. So like, what was it like for you growing up? You know, so let's talk about, oh, you know, boy. who you were, how did, <laughs> how did you become who you became to become who you are today? Oh, dude, my parents were awesome. I'll put it that way. I am from Layton, Utah, represent. I am huh. a Utah boy to the fullest. I will fight and stand on. I'm very proud of the fact I'm from Utah. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> 801 and jazz, you know, purple, yellow, and green run through these veins, dude. Straight up. Like, huh. Now fight. No, but, um, my parents were both hardworking people. My mother was a vice uh, president of Zion's Bank. My dad actually started the gang task force out here. <gasps> Yikes, right? So you were that kind of kid. Yeah, I wish I was going to get into. Like, <laughs> that rebelled everything you, know what you they said about the bishop kids and the cops kids. And, yeah, I, I was a bad motherfucker. I'll, I'll, keep it, I'll, I'll, keep it, I'll keep it simple and plain. But uh, he started the gang task force out here. He's a very, very highly decorated officer. Uh, there's books and, and movies. There's a movie about my dad now, like uh, that Black Klansman. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, came out in 2017, but it won a couple Academy Awards. But that's a book my dad wrote about his first undercover assignment. And he actually wrote the book. It went did so well on Amazon. It was in top three for like three, four years that they, Jordan Peele read it pitched it to Spike Lee, Spike Lee read it, loved it, called my dad, they flew him out, they talked, they made a movie in which my dad had a lot of creative control, and that movie won Spike Lee his first ever Oscar, or not Oscar, yeah, Oscar, Academy Award, Academy Award, 
you know, and Golden Globe. So uh, that's coming from that, man, is where I come from. It, it's a, uh, I was very, very, my parents were loving but strict. Uh, I played sports year round almost my entire life. Um, it really, I was one of the last ones of all my friends to actually use hard drugs per se, at least in regards to meth and heroin. You know what I mean? I was, I was the, the, I was the kid who was always out there in the living room. And you know how, when you're getting high, when we used to get high and you'd have the one person who doesn't, who's out front. And then you have the babysitter while everyone else is in the back room doing Lord knows what. Yeah. I was the kid that everyone was babysitting like, and then I'm wondering why the hell, like, the faces keep changing every five minutes. Like, what's going on, dude? What are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm trying to watch, like, you know, some TV and play some Xbox. And how come my partner keeps switching every fucking 30 seconds, man? Like, <laughs> there's no, this isn't a way to win Madden. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It, I my, my biggest issue growing up was just... Uh, the company I chose to keep, uh, I was a all for one, one for all type of guy. Definitely on that three musketeers thing, you know, uh, I would go to war for my friends. The majority of the time that I've done has been for other people, not by no fault of my own, just by me being a hothead. And I had something to prove, you know, uh, the fact that I'm a cop's kid and I'm black and Leighton. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's a culture shock. I grew up in a predominantly white and, and uh, Latino area where that's pretty much all there is. You know, there's, I'm one of like, at the time, you got to figure this is the late 80s, you know, and 90s and whatnot. And I graduated in 04, but you got to figure that this is the uh, era where there's like maybe three black families in yeah. In late and the whole yeah. northern Utah, exactly, and all of northern Utah, and, like, and three counties together. Yeah, and we all yeah. know each other, are related somehow or something. You know how it goes. Yeah. So, um, really, it was like trying to struggle with like my identity and who I am. But I mean, I know who I am. I, I, I'm raised on Black history. I, I am given administered old school punishment. You know, my parents never coddled me. I didn't ever was given anything i had to earn absolutely everything i have ever needed or wanted i learned how to cook and clean at a very early age my mother uh rest in peace she had cancer and died on my 19th birthday from a esophageal cancer and i had to spend the oh it's okay it, it once upon a time it was a deep wound uh i like to think that he, although it is still a wound it's a lot of time has passed i'm 35 now so i've had plenty of time it's the uh, it's a scar you know yes. but uh in retrospect, through my experiences, I've had a lot of time to reflect, and that's the primary reason why I was doing a lot of the things I was doing, and a lot of the moves I was making was influenced by the fact that, you know, my mom is sick, and my mother's my best friend, you gotta understand, and for me to be in a position where I can lose my biggest support system, me and my dad are button heads all the time, I'm always getting arrested, you know, I, I literally lived like a double life, I was that good kid at the school, but then you know, or at home, I'd go to school out in public and then I'd be wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? Always the extremist, always had to, you know, talk the loudest, you know, fight the most. And it, uh, I lost a lot because of that mentality, you know, just with young, dumb, and something to prove. And that's all that was a direct 
cause of my latter drug abuse. You know, I was one of those guys where I was, uh, uh, I was smoking pot at a very early age. I think I first smoked when I was like nine, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I was drinking in junior, you know, middle school, junior high. Uh, I didn't even touch anything bad until I was, you know, 18, you know, but that was one of the reasons why I ended up dropping out of school. It's one of the reasons why I, got my forgery charges and all the reasons that I ever just deliberately just beat someone up for God knows what reason looking back is all just due to that rage and frustration being fueled with those, those uh, mind altering substances and those chemicals that just threw things out of whack, you know, and not knowing how to vent or having people to vent to who can understand where you're coming from. I didn't have that at the time. So I did what I, the only thing I could do, which I think every addict, I think we all have a part of us that is incredibly self-destructive. Uh, me so very much in particular, you know, that was pretty much my MO for my whole life until recently is I'll get a little taste of success and doing things the right way. Instantaneous. I, I, I self-sabotage. I fuck everything up. Yeah. You know? And it was because of music and the gym and things like that, you know, outlets that I had that were positive and therapeutic that allowed me to channel that. Otherwise I could have probably been off a lot worse, you know? So, I mean, you can relate, I'm sure. Oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Listen, that's all that for my best friend for a very long time, <laughs> a very long time, you know, like I was the one who, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and it was like, why do you have to get so bad, you know, and why does it have to, why is it so hard, you know, like, because I was the mom who loved my children, and I was like Martha Stewart to yeah. basalt mama who never comes home, miss the, you know, missing birthdays, missing everything, and my children who I loved so much, because you have kids, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. you know what it's like when you, when you, what, what the minute you see that a newborn child, like you completely fall in love, right? Like no your world changed. I've chills just saying that. Like, you know, you know, like your whole entire world changes. And it's so crazy how you can love something so much and then a substance will completely change everything about your life so you go from working and living a normal life normal life and and whatever to becoming the person that you were told not to you know i had this conversation with my kids the other day and we were just talking about like because we watch these shows and like one of the shows we're watching one of the guys became an addict for for this episode and it was like so sad because they watched it and it's like how do you explain to a child, you know, because when we were young, right, they told us oh, don't yeah. drink, we drank. They said don't smoke, we smoked. Absolutely. They said don't do drugs, we did drugs. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we're having Absolutely. a recovery conversation because we did everything they told us not to. Absolutely. What's so hard to explain is, um, and I try to like get this out to my kids, is like, you know, that it'll never happen to me. I'll only do it one time. And then the obsession starts and it's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I just want one more and one more. And, you know, like I teach a prime for life class. And so in the class, we kind of go over the different, you know, risk factors and the, and the low risk choices to high risk choices. And it's like, listen, let's just keep it real. 
me, right? Me, it's always been like this for me. I want more. Yep. I want more. Yep, never, never ever been enough. Yep, <laughs> never, ever, well. ever, 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 there is no, ever. There is no cap. There is yeah. no cap. Yep. Since you the know? very beginning, I always wanted more. Every time. Like there was never, oh, let's just do a little bit. It was like, I need a lot more. Yep. And yep. it doesn't matter if I'm sick. And it didn't matter if I got in trouble and I got home late. And it didn't matter if I went to jail. And it didn't exactly. matter, you know, if my, at the time, husband was getting mad at me. You know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because yeah. I needed more. And so it's it's crazy how those things can happen because it's like you never like it's hard to teach these kids, you know, the kids are who we have to because it's like that's the goal, you know. You you have to look, you have to look at the like with that exact statement in mind, consider the world we live in today. You know, you gotta understand that. I'm in my, I myself, I'm 35 years old. Okay. I was born in 85. So you got to figure that I grew up in a time where there, there was a, there was a clear right, a clear wrong. Things weren't as accessible, but we, we spent more time out and about. We had things that were healthy and, and, you know, like, uh, I, I, I'm as a parent, I'm terrified because things that I had to gradually learn through evolution and puberty. My daughter and my doing son, during COVID. they have it, at, they have it exactly, especially during COVID. They have it at the press of a button. And I don't know about you, but my uh, now seven year old daughter is so fluent with uh, 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 YouTube, with Netflix, with she, I don't know how she just, yeah, I could do that. She could lock you out of shit. She can change paths. Like, what the? I know, dude. Listen, I could just figure out how parental controls. was going wrong in the beginning. Yeah. So, so the fact that we are in a, a day and age where they literally come out with a new iPhone every three to six months. I know. Boom, 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 boom. I know. And, and with that along, like, how do you tell? I mean, I remember when I was younger, I remember watching like, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm a movie buff as well, but like Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio was one of, uh, you know, one of the movies. Uh, Dead Presidents was another one. Uh, Requiem for a Dream, which was a very, another one, which was all like, okay, this is upfront intense drug abuse, depending on what age you're viewing it, that's being done right in front of your face you know what i mean and and that was scary i remember sitting there seeing shit like that like fuck not me you got me fucked up absolutely not just a flash forward years later when my innocence is gone and and, you know the gang banging and the the nine days up in apartment buildings naked with a gun out the window type shit which i've also done mind you, you know, probably TMI for our listeners, but I mean, like, I, I, I go back and I watch things like that, and I remember feeling that not in the pit of my stomach, like, dude, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to be that. And then here I am, you know, in Pioneer Park, robbing spitters and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a double-edged sword. It, it truly yeah. is. And we live in a, a society where anything we want and need we don't have to we're 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 becoming lazy we're becoming 
too informed and too lazy way too fast all at once to where we don't have to get out and interact with people if we don't want to. Some of people's best friends nowadays, especially younger, younger, our younger generations, some of their best friends live thousands of miles away and they talk and about shit you and me couldn't can, can even begin to fathom. I know. And I know. Yeah. And they're talking online while they're playing Call of Duty and shit. Like, I know. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's different. It's, 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 that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I don't want to necessarily say it's great. I mean, because there's certain cool things about having all sorts of technology at a you know push of a button, but the fact that we become so reliant upon it is yeah. is, what is unnerving, and especially for the addict, especially the one who is a, a active addict who, who's currently in active addiction. It's it's a very very intense thing for me, at least, to think about. Like I drive around all the time, and I already talk to old friends, and I'm like dude, I'm so glad I don't have those types of uh, behavior problems or patterns anymore. I'm so glad I don't have to worry like that or stress. And yeah. I remember at a time where it was second nature and really not that big of a deal, you know, like there's that stress factor. But as soon as you get from point A to point B with what you can't went to go get, then all that stress is gone. You know, I'm good. And it's, 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 it's sad, really. It, it truly is. So I've dedicated this part of my life to where I got out. I, I made a drew my line in the sand and I said, Hey, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is my, these are my goals. Uh, this is how I'm going to get to them and fuck the world. If they have a problem with it, the people who weren't meant to be on this journey will weed themselves out just because they, I no longer have something that they need or want from me. The people who I was meant to are meant to be a part of my journey will find themselves in my car while I'm headed to that place on the horizon. And that's exactly what's happened. And it's been a very beautiful experience. You know, I can't say I'm full circle because as an addict, I would like to think that there's always that uh, possibility of. Of going back. Yeah. Blink of an eye. It could literally be worse off than you ever were. And, you know, I don't know about in your situations, but every time in mine, there's always that first initial couple months where things were good, man. Like it was new, it was exciting, we're having fun. And then shit hits the fan. And when it does, it hits quick. Well, the older I got, and the older I get, I should say, the more times I ended up relapsing and going back, those fun times became less and less frequent. And those oh, shit, uh, is about to hit the fan. <laughs> got, got more and more frequent. Rather than six months of having fun doing dope and meeting all these cool people and learning cool shit, now all of a sudden, like, it's like... Struggle okay, got real. Yes, it's six days. The, the, the last time I relapsed, I'm talking, like, six days, and shit was like, okay, I'm in... It's, it's not going to work out for me this time. Well, so you've you know? done something real that that's rare and I hate to say rare, but it is, you know, so, so you've, you've done and I, you know, I'm gratefully proud to say I actually should have my certificate somewhere and I, I can't find it. But <laughs> in January of 2019, I graduated APMP and I, I got off probation and yeah, well, thank you because that's huge. Because most people don't, a very, very large percent of people who graduate drug court and get off of AP&P, they go right back to where they are. 
right back to where they were if they can make it to graduation, you mm-hmm. know, and that's an if. Mm-hmm. But if they get to, to do that, and this last time, you know, I did it straight the, the last time I got out of jail. <laughs> I was on the charge <laughs> forever, right? Yeah. Forever. And I finally got off, you know, my 36 months was only 18 months. And today I'm three and a half years and I'm grateful. Like it is all by the grace of God, you know, spiritual awakening and and it happened. But you did that too. You know what I mean? And so that, that right there is like, you're way ahead of the game. Because most people don't get to get there. I appreciate that because uh, there are times uh, you've been through it. I'm sure I know I have where. At one point, we get, you know, we, we, we look around. Is the baby moving? Yeah, my boys are going to be a beast. I have another baby cooking. No, but, uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. You see, that's what happens. I know, no, but, I, uh, I know, no, but, uh, paper, still no, staying good. You're human. I'm human. Well, well no, we, you, we get to a point to where we look around and we're like, dude, like, am I, doing the right thing, like, people I used to love and care about are becoming, you know, I'm not seeing them as often anymore. You get to, I think each of us in recovery gets to our breaking point to where we're like, is it all worth it? You know yeah. what I mean? And as of late, the times where that thought, and they have, they are few and far in between now, you know, I mean, I'll have a, what is it, two years? I'll have two years in, on the 13th of this month. Hell Yeah. Congratulations. Salute. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, that's you know, huge. It is like, um, I'm, I'm just uh, a day at a time. I, I handle my business. I have a lot of things I do to keep me active and motivated and happy. And now this is a part of uh, what motivates me to do better is to share my experiences. Uh, there's times where when I do go to, you know, these, you know, other podcasts or I go to rehab clinics or I go to juvenile centers and, I tell these kids whether it's don't do drugs, stay out of gangs, because I, I I've done both. You know what I mean. Um, and for people like you, I think like you guys are some of the lucky ones. Me, un- unfortunately, like I, I tried to get into drug court. I tried to get into RSAT. I tried to uh, get into all sorts of drug programs, especially when I was younger and I was trying to avoid going to prison. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all, all the big homies was like, "Yo, if you don't want to go to prison, homie, dog, you need to like." On that PSI, tell them you're a straight-up fuck-up. Tell them you're a junkie and shit. They'll give you a program, bro, and you'll be cool. I'll be like, word? And I'll be like, word. And I'll be like, okay, cool. So I'll write all this shit down and blow, like, which I did have an active drug problem, but I blew it way out of proportion, right? Like, uh. I shoot 10 balloons in an hour type shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, I turned it in, and I was like uh, 17, 18. I was 18 years old, going on 19. This is right before my mom passed, and I turned my paperwork in or my uh, uh, PSI packet. It, that shit came back to me with the quickness, like, fuck you. you, you're not passing go, you ain't getting no program. Because me, I'm a, I'm a violent offender. I've never had, a, the only drug charges I had, I had one distribution charge uh, back when the house got, you know, raided years ago, but that had nothing to do with the drugs that was in the house at the time, it had everything to do with all sorts of porn checks that I was doing at the time. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. drugs was like, oh, you got this too. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh, uh, it was one of those things to where I tried and, and it got to a point to where initially I did it, and that's probably why I didn't get in, because they probably saw through the facade, like, okay, this is here, right here's a young man who 
has a violent past. I have a very violent and aggressive criminal history. Um, lots of assaults. I got a uh, firearm charges. I got uh, discharging from vehicle charges. All sorts of crazy shit that I had right over my over the years. And um, uh, yeah, man. Every time I step in there, I mean, you can't see me because I'm like super dark and whatnot. But I got all sorts of tattoos on my face, and you know. Post Malone and Beyonce had a baby, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm a diva, you know. <laughs> so tell us this. So, so you've been so so you've been in gangs. You've you've done you've done the most, right? You've had your house raided. You've been in and out of jail and prison. Did you did you ever get the opportunity to? They didn't give you a program, right? They just threw the book at you every time. Yeah. So did you ever do a program? Yes. Or when I was so funny story. So I was actually in prison. I was in uh for my gun charge. I was in prison. I was having fun. I already had no, oh, I wasn't having fun per se, but I was making the most out of a, a unfortunate situation. And I was with all sorts of uh homies and people, you know, from the set and all sorts of other shit, right? You know, gang terminology and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I know what that means. <laughs> oh, West West, y'all. Oh, no, so uh I actually uh I was out on the yard and I had a couple of buddies who were up in hope cause I was down in Gunnison at the time mm-hmm. and uh, they pulled me out of Draper. They shot me to Gunnison and I was in Gunnison and uh, Cedar. I was, went from Cedar to Birch and I was in Birch and I was out on the yard and I was talking to some of my homies who were out on the yard, you know, on my way to class. And they were like, Hey man, you should come up here to hope. All the homies are in there. These are all people I grew up with. And I was like, fuck no, I ain't doing hope. I've heard horror stories about it. They try to turn you into a snitch, all sorts of things. I'm cool. You know, you guys have fun with that. These motherfuckers done told their uh, caseworker, yeah, man, you go, got to pull Stallworth up here. It'll be great. <laughs> Do so funny, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they tell me to roll my shit up. And I'm like, what the fuck? So when I w- tried to get into a program, they were like, no, fuck you. You're crazy. You need like cognitive thinking and thinking for a change and prime for life, which I also did all that as well. Right. But yeah, I was like, I, I was, I, I was under the impression, okay, look, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to get slung down in ink. I'm going to get yoked. I'm going to get my read on and get smart. I'm going to take some classes. I'm going to do get college out of the way, come out and I'll be cool. So I was already set into that whole part of my trip and I had already started that leg. Next thing you know, they roll my shit up. They put me in hope program. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Now I got all these dudes telling me what to do and telling me I got to make my bed, which I do anyways, you know, just because my dad growing up and whatnot. But it's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I might as well be at home at my dad's house if y'all are going to make me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I put the work in. I got something out of it. And I like to feel that every time I did something stupid and, and got busted, which was every time, I'm a horrible criminal. I'll put it that way. Like, shit. If I do something illegal, I'm, if I don't get myself caught, which I typically don't, I don't get myself caught. I get told on a lot because I have poor judgment and like, yeah, he's great. He's cool. That's the homie. I've known him for 20 yeah. years. Yeah, you've been there. It happens. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know I, mean? I, I know. had the opportunity to do a program. I did graduate it successfully. Um, so I do have, uh, and I use a lot of that type of format when I do do uh, speaking engagements with some of my younger uh, clients. And, you know, when I go to schools and things of that nature you know that's what i i'll typically pull out is i'll start you know referencing things that i learned in that program so uh, it's not to say that it didn't work 
I think like any program or uh, uh, rehab or recovery center, the it's something you have to be fully prepared and ready and mentally engaged and invested in in order to make it successful. You have to want to be clean in order to be clean. 90% of the time, those of us who are getting into pre-treatment programs, we're doing them as an this is an alternative to being here for a year, or this is an alternative, you know, this is where I can get in, keep my nose clean, I can beat out in less time, and then, I don't know, um, In my, it's been my experience that, just based on all the time that I have done, you got to figure that, as a human being, you look at yourself, look at me, when you go to jail, right, and you get out, Everything that we are, all our goals that we had set for ourselves, everything that we said we were never going to do again, let's be honest. Let's keep it real. Me, myself, I say all sorts of, I would talk a good game and I would get out and there's times I would walk it for a while, but we as human beings want to instantly engage and do shit that we were told we could not do and have been deprived of for so long, whether that's your girl or in your case, a dude, or if it's a, if that's your, your spouse, if that's dope, if that's smoking some weed, if that's eating a cheeseburger, whatever they said we could not have is typically the very first thing that we do when we get out. People who are successful in this world, who have been the places we've been and done the things we've done are people that took what they could from the experience that they learned, things that and things and people that they met along the way. You internalize all the shit that is necessary in order for you to be a better version of yourself. Yeah. You leave all the other bullshit by the wayside and you move forward. And if you are you work hard and, and you are truly invested in being a better individual and a better person. It's my personal belief that you can do anything. I, for one, feel that if you were to ask any one of my friends, and I notice there's several of my people that are listening to this podcast and watching, they'll tell you that I was the one counted out. They'll tell you that I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I was a dumbass. There's not a person that I know who doesn't have a, some stupid story about something dumb that I did once uh-huh. upon a time. And I mean that in all sincerity. <laughs> you know what I mean? All sincerity. Whether it was drowning or I stole my buddy's car while he was asleep and then I lied about it and then helped him literally file a police report for his car, which was broke down on the freeway and helped him find it. And then <laughs> came clean at the back end like, yo, okay, nigga, it was me, bro. I stole your shit. My bad, bro. <laughs> you made me go around for eight hours and file police reports? You couldn't just lead out with that? We would have fought in the front yard, but it, I'd have my car. I'd know where I'd yeah. go get it. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, funny. Like, All you need is a gas can, motherfucker. You don't need to file a police report. Go get a gas can. <laughs> Take a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Bring yeah. it back. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's but, funny. You know, that's it's based on a true story, though. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So you got so good. So you did a you did a program. You yeah. get out. You started, and then you found you found music. Well, you've always had music. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. So you found. So you got reconnected into music and music. Would you say music is kind of what helped inspire you to get find recovery this last time? Yeah, so this time it was like, a, it was a combination. So music, like you said, it's always been something that I've done. 
I was always that kid who could memorize every rap song from 87 to yesterday. Yeah. Was always that kid who was always, you know, freestyling drunk at houses and parties. And it just was a hobby that turned into a passion. And it's something that I just happened to be pretty, you know, decent at, in my personal opinion. You know, so I had the opportunity where I was introduced to a certain set of people at a good time in my life. And we all had that, you know, hip hop and we had music and, you know, battling and ciphers in common. And it's something that just grew into a collective that just turned into a thing. And it, it's uh, between that, this last time, it definitely played a big factor. But uh, I, I decided to get back into the gym, man. I was uh, just starting to get a lot of not necessarily health problems, but I just wasn't feeling good. I was sluggish. I looked sickly. I'm a big guy. I weigh 235, 240. So you got to figure that this big ass head on a skinny cracked out neck and a bird chest doesn't look too appealing to the opposite sex. You know what I mean? So <laughs> needless to say, I, I got into a routine, which uh, just from like playing, you know, sports all my life and whatnot has always been there for me, uh, the gym as well. But I, had a structured routine. I dedicated myself to it. I worked out consistently the entire time I was gone. When I got out, I was like, okay, aside from music and, uh, you know, everything that we were doing uh, with Rap to Recovery and everything else, it was like, okay, with all this stuff that I have, this is, are the tools that I need to be successful. I got my goals. I already plan on getting this job. I already got a routine that I know keeps me centered and keeps me humble and it's a, a positive outlet for me to take all this anger and aggression and all this negativity and channel it into something that's pure and that's going to better me and my, not, not necessarily in mind and body, but also in my spirit as well. So I, it boiled down to a decision, which I feel everything does with everybody. Yep. Uh, what separates a good person from a not necessarily a bad person is, is in my personal opinion, is, is a decision. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. One decision can determine whether... I've seen a lot of good people make horrible decisions, and I've seen a lot of bad people make great decisions. And I base success on hard work and perseverance, but also on all of, about those those that series of decision-making. You know what I mean? One wrong move can literally set you back 10 years and... I, I can attest to that. So I just got to a point to where I was sick of hustling backwards. I was sick of jogging in place and I decided to make a change and to toe a line. And I've been successful so far in my attempts to walk a straight and narrow path and through fitness and through music and through the recovery community, I've met people that I never thought I would meet. I have, uh, yeah, I've cultivated relationships with a lot of beautiful people who genuine, hardworking people who deserve the very best in life. They just made a, one bad decision and had a had a rough go. You know, I've made fucking 20. I was on APMP off and on for 20 years and I literally just got off last week, week before last. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Most so people, like, well, and that's like the, the most amazing thing is. I can't tell you how many admin we've had and how many just people I've known who the very day they get off of AP&P, it's like the obsession 
just kicks back in, you know, to be off. And well, I mean, and technically the, the month or two prior, you're off. I mean, your PO at that point loves you. They're confident. They don't you're fuck good. with you. You don't worry yeah. about it. You know, you, so, like, if you wanted to screw up, you could, and you could easily start to tiptoe back into old behaviors because your PO has all the faith in the world now that you're going to be okay. And so, mm -hmm. just making it one week out or two weeks out, that's huge. You know, like, yeah. I just get so hurt by all these people when they relapse right away because I get, well, first of all, I get really mad and I get angry because, you know, we're, we're, we base our shit off emotions because I'm just like, you're. You were never sober in the first place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're so fun. Because you I'm were hurt. Because the I'm so happy. You was lying. But, oh, yeah, I know. But but the truth is, the addict, addiction and the obsession is so fucking powerful that right. once you have your freedom, you know, it's like when you get to make that choice, it's hard for a lot of, for me, it wasn't hard because my life was different. Do mm -hmm. um, you you had already worked at you had already towed a line made a decision you yeah. planned your work you worked your plan and to, uh, you got to a point to where it didn't make sense for you to go back because you you gained so much moving forward and, yeah and, and it's unfortunate for those of us who know that literally and cognitively in 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 our heart of hearts know that I have thrived in this setting. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I have and I'm guilty of it. I'm I'm super guilty of it. I, I used to do it all the time. Literally all the time. Yeah. I get off paper, first thing I gotta do, okay, cool. Let me go over here to the trap house right fast. Let me call a couple, you know. And mm -hmm. then, you know, and, and, and it's it's a cycle and it's it's poisonous. I just got to a point to where I was super young when I fished in. I was super young when I first started going to jail. I was still in my latter teens. I was 17, 18 years old being walked from Farmington Bay into Davis County Jail or, you know, whatever. So it, it's I, – I know that I don't sink in those types of situations where I'm deprived of my friends and family and, and life as I know it, but I also know that I – it's not where I want to be. It's an incredibly, it's an incredible inconvenience for me to be in those types of places and putting myself in those types of situations. But what do you do? Like, I like to think that in recovery, they teach us that, you know, slipping and tripping, falling, stumbling, these are all a part of the process. Well, me, I, I, I agree just because it's so, it's so, it's what happens, you know, to the majority of people. But I also would like to think that, no, that's, it's not supposed to happen. That's bullshit. Like it all boils down to a decision. You can either do this and go backwards or you could do this and you can move forward. You know what I mean? And it's, it's worked out. It's worked out. And I, I mean, I'm humble, dude. I can't, I've been so blessed to where I'm just, I don't, Ugh, I, I knock on wood all the time. I have to not pinch myself. I love to hear that. You know, like yeah. just the smile that yeah. you get. Sorry to cut you off, but that's how I feel, right? Yeah. Like when I get to just say, dude, my life is good now. Like yeah. I'm grateful. Like, I'm happy. Like it's good. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I don't have to. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to sleep. I have to take blankets off at nighttime because I'm too hot. 
You know what I mean? I choose how many pillows I want on my bed and a really good pillow, not a freaking shirt for a pillowcase. You know, life is good. Absolutely. So, there's, and I just, I love when there's other people who are happy about life. Like when you watch the replay, if you watch it and you just see the smile, when you were just like, things are good. Yeah, like they really cool, are, man. you know, and that's, that's recovery. You know, that's what people, that we sat there and when we were locked up or out on the streets wishing for. And, you know, when they, you see those things and people are like, there's somebody out there praying for what you have. And it's like, those are the moments of just being happy. Very much so. You know, life struggles. Okay, whatever. Shit fucking happens. Yeah, tomorrow comes and we'll be fine. You got to dust it off. I've learned that I can, and I used to be the type of guy where I would literally, I would scheme and I would plot and I would just fester in this cesspool of negativity and negative thinking and negative people and and the shit was just killing my vibe it was not only bringing me down but it was bringing down others around me like a lot of uh, like relationships that I was well I can't even really call them relationships because you know how that goes when you're high you know what I mean I love you man yeah. You, you guys are sharing an experience, so you're just glad you don't got to do it alone. Misery loves company, but once you sober up, it's the testament as to do you stand one another? You know what I mean? Like, and uh, it's just, I, I got so sick of that environment and just politicking and, and literally having to look over my shoulder because I fucked this dude's homie up or he his homie fucked my homie up. And just living in that chaotic environment just began to wear on my psyche to a point to where I, like, I don't know if you've been on any of my, like, social media pages or outlets, but when I say I am the most positive motherfucker on the face of the planet, like, I'm not talking shit. Like, I took a page out of The Rock's book, and I'm just like so happy with like i'm all about love life and the pursuit of happiness now you know i I wish nothing but the best for even my worst enemies you know what i'm saying like and i don't really have enemies i'm there's a couple people who might not like like me i don't give a flying fuck you don't like me because of something stupid from when we was high like shut the fuck up let's let's think about something that's more Let's be engaging. Let's be proactive. Let's let's not talk about problems. Let's talk about solutions. And I think that if we were to all use that mindset as a society and move forward, there's a lot of problems and situations going on in this world that really wouldn't be an issue if we all just took a proactive approach and did what you and I are doing right now and just sat down and had a conversation, laid everything out on the table, share your experience. And with me, like I've, I've, I've had the opportunity where I could sit there with a straight up, you know, lightning bolt faced racist and I can make the motherfucker like me. You know, it's a matter of finding a common ground. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a reason why you feel the way you feel. There's a reason why I feel the way I feel. And, and the, the Scorpio in me wants to explore that possibility. I want to know why Why do you feel the way you feel? Yeah. You know, without, without knowing me as an individual, you know. Uh, and and I, I, it's the same thing with uh, when I talk to all my buddies who are still in active addiction. Like, what is going on with you right now that is 
the root of the problem. Like it's an onion, there's layers. So there's always what you're going to tell everybody else, but then there's also what you tell yourself, you know what I mean? And that's what I want to know. And I figure that if I just jump on every morning, I leave some positive, you know, positive quotes or I just drop some knowledge or just put a little love into the world, man. I've had more people just reach out to me that are just like, dude, thank you for your post today. Or thank you for that, that conversation the other day. Like I was thinking about going back. I was thinking about giving up and, and, and because of not necessarily me, but that positivity, yeah, that, that, that good vibe I put out there. It's like, dude, like you, you genuinely made my day and I'm, I, I feel better about my situation now. I feel I can conquer it. Great. That's all I want for you. That's all I want for myself. That's all I want for anybody. You know, I don't care if your level of success is more higher than mine. You know, success to me is success. And success to me is having my bills paid, having my spouse and children happy, and, and just having the motivation to get my black ass up and go to the gym and work all in one day. That to yeah. me is happiness. Like I, I know what it's like to be at the party. I know what it's like to be at the bar fight. I know what it's like to be, you know, everywhere else. And I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm just too, if I don't have business there, I don't have business there. Hell yeah. Um, so you just remove, it's all about removing that, that tumor of negativity from your psyche and from your situation. Then it truly makes all the difference you know, in my opinion. No, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, as we close this up for tonight, I'd love for you to give us like a hope shot. Like what's your hope shot for the addict who's still struggling or the person who relapsed, who wants to come back, but feels, or, or to the kid or whatever, like just a good hope shot to kind of a positivity, you know, because that's where we're, what we're doing. Look, Did you just freeze? As far as I'm oh. concerned, no. Bam. <laughs> I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah, I had to will fail you for a second. No, but um uh I mean there's so many good quotes and, and positive quips that I could leave it with me. My my main thing is look, what's been had before can always be regained. What's lost can always be, you know, regained. What what's don't dim your light or your shine or your vibration for anybody. Dare to be different. Understand that it's not going to be easy. Nothing beautiful ever is easy, in my opinion. You have to work hard for it. And if it's a change that you invest your heart and your time and energy into, perseverance and the turtle's the one that runs the race at the end of the day, not the rabbit. You know what I mean? There's some of us who are lucky and our support and our circumstances make it to where we can get to that finish line faster. But I've also seen a lot of those people who have reached that finish line faster also fall back into old habits just because they yeah. half-assed the process. It's not a process you can rush. It's always something that is going to be, in the back of our minds, we're always going to get that itch or that one memory or that instant just thought. So just understand that you're not alone. It's tough for everybody. I know we've been seeing it all over the media and everywhere else the past year. We're all in this together, whether it's recovery, whether it's COVID, whatever the case may be. 
just understand that all it really takes is a phone call to the right person at the right time. And for you to just understand that it's going to take the work aspect from you in order to make the change happen. You got to be the change that you envision. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. I have a meeting that starts at nine that I cannot miss. Handle um, it. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and I'll probably have internet problems because you don't know how that goes. But thank you. Right. Thank you so much for coming on here. You're rad. I can't, I'm glad I can't wait to see your positive posts because I feel like I'm the guru of positivity and oh, it'll be nice yeah. to see somebody Check else. Uh, oh, dude, I'm so, we just became friends on Facebook today. So I'm <gasps> great. I know. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> Um, I'm grateful that thank you for taking the time, you know, out of your or your day and sharing and the space with us and being willing to just be open and honest and and create that space for other people. Um, anybody who wants to, what needs to, or if you want to, Brandon, I I can I don't think I need to ask your permission, but you can reach out to him if you're ever struggling at any time. His name is up here at the top. Um, you can add him on Facebook too or follow him because if he's got good positive stuff, please do. And if you're struggling, please reach out. If you know somebody who's struggling, reach out. Make sure that you have Narcan available. If you need fentanyl testing trips, we have them. Um, and just to be there for yourself and be there for other people. Thank you very much. Have a good night. There we go. Nice. It was awesome talking with you. Okay, now it's closing. <laughs> <laughs>